Mr. and Mr. Marigold, the ships at sea, Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. Today we're interviewing Jeremy Eckert. Fellow PMP, entrepreneur, businessman out of Long Island, New York. Jeremy owns Rest Easy Pest Control, and he also owns Two Step Reviews. Jeremy and I have been friends for a while, bounce ideas off each other, um, even though we're competitors, which is one of the great things about this industry. But Jeremy, once again, welcome. Why don't you tell us how you got into pest control? Thank you for having me, guys. Just for clarification, I'm from Queens, Fresh Meadows, Queens, not Long Island. I happen to reside in Long Island right now under protest, but I do reside from Queens originally. So I've been in the pest control industry since I'm young, washing cars for my uncle owns Knockout Pro Arthur Katz, a uh, pretty well-known regional company out here on Long Island in the New York area. So I was washing cars for him since I'm five or six years old, trying to make a couple extra bucks to buy baseball cards. And was in and out of the industry, was working for him in high school on a termite rig in the summer. And then went to college, bounced around, stockbroking, technology sales, and in 2001, came back into the industry. Worked for him, started at a desk just answering phones, and worked for him for about nine years, and had a great run. It was an amazing time. I made a lot of great friends. We had a blast working with each other. And after nine years, it was time to uh, go out on my own. So that's the, the gist of how it all started. And for those of you in the New York area, you might remember Jeremy blew up with the canines. So this is my question, and we joke about it all the time. Did you feel the hate from the other pest control companies? Because you did it, everybody else did it as like an add-on service, and you did it as a full-blown company, which is part of the reason why I think you crushed it. The rest yes. of us, including myself, did it as an add-on and treated it as such. So did you feel right. did you feel that tension? Nah, I really didn't actually. I know, listen, I know not everyone loves me, but that's okay. I started a company called the Bed Bug Inspectors back in August of 2009. And interestingly enough, it started this way. So we all knew as an industry, going back about five to 10 years before 2009, that bed bugs was making a comeback from an industry standpoint. We saw the numbers, I saw the numbers doubling. It was a business that kind of progressively was just getting a little bit busier, a little bit busier, and a little bit busier. And when I decided to leave my uncle, it was, what was I gonna do next? And one day we get a phone call from a prospective client and they said, my wife just came back from a play date. She got a phone call to say that they have bed bugs. She's freaking out. What can you do? I'm like, oh, that's a great question. Uh, let me, I'm, I'm spitballing. And I'm like, how I could treat, this is now going into 2008 probably, of how we're going to talk to this man about a potential bed bug problem. I got send someone out there to take a look. We'll do some spray. I, don't, I forget what I told the guy. He's like, great, let me talk to my wife. Calls back two minutes later. He's like, my wife says something about a dog. Can you get a dog out here? I'm like, of course we can get a dog. Let me speak to my dog person. I hang up and I'm like, what the, what's a dog? I don't even know what a, a bed bug dog is. Except that I remember my cousin who worked upstairs had done a canine inspection with probably either, it was probably either you or ANC back in the day. And I call up to Eric and I go, hey, Eric, didn't we do a bed bug dog inspection? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I need one out in Suffolk County. He's no problem. Here's who you got to call. Two days later, I can't go because I'm working. He goes out, meets the dog company, comes back in. I said, so how did it go? He said, it was amazing. 
I said, what happened? He goes, it was $350 back then. It was $350. We spent all of about seven or 11 minutes in the person's house. No bed bugs, happy as pie. I'm like, holy shit, that's a pretty good rate. So I did a bunch of research and realized there was six companies in New York City that had canines at the time. And they all belonged to, like you were just saying, pest control companies. I said, what happens if I opened up a company that only did canine inspections and no bed bug work? I could work with the other 400 pest control companies that don't have to worry about me stealing their business. And that was the marketing angle that I came up with. And we went in full blown, like I said, in August, 2009. And what was it? February of 2010. I didn't expect it to blow up that quickly. I knew it was a growing industry. I, no one could have predicted what we all went into the wild west of bed bug work. That's what it was. It was nuts. And I, I absolutely cornered the marketplace. I was unequivocally the largest independent bed bug inspection company in New York City, probably doing the most bed bug dog inspections in New York City, minus maybe a short at the time because uh, of their connections they had. But I worked for everybody. I worked for a short. I, I worked for everybody back then as a sub and we crushed it. And then when did you pivot to full blown pest control? We started Rest Easy Pest Control on March 31st, the first day of operation was March 31st, 2012, a day before April. I remember it. Probably incorporated a few months before that. And the biggest challenge that I had there was I had to go back and talk to my uncle. Because when I left as, a, as someone who wasn't competing against him, before I opened my doors, I had to sit down with him. And I had to explain why. Between 2009 and 2012, I got married, bought a house, and I was having a kid. And I had to now prepare for my life because what ended up happening was prices started to come down, competition started to come in, and the hype started to go away. This was a recipe for disaster. If I would have stayed in that industry, I wouldn't have a business today, or have a, my business would be a tenth of what it was six years ago or seven years ago. So I had to pivot for my family's sake, and it was a great decision. I almost wish I would have done it earlier. What you said is I was independent, but I left a lot of money on the table. What, what used to happen, even though we were independent and we never did anything, I'd have clients that'd be like, no, we want you. We want you. And I'm like, I don't do it. I left a lot of money on the table not doing bed bug work back then, but we also made a lot of money because we were independent. So it was a catch-22. Yeah, but do you think you could have done that dollar amount with pest added? Because the margins are different and the type of work is different. Could you have blown up that quickly if you were doing both in your mind? Probably not. My whole angle, and I say angle from a marketing perspective, we were going to give you an independent opinion. Right, right wrong, or indifferent, it was independent. We had no skin in the game. If I found them, that was it. So right. I don't think so. I think we played, the cards we played were, and, and we did great business. And I met a lot of friends too. I worked with so many guys and it's somewhat embarrassing because they remember me, but it was like at that time you met so many people and now, Hey, what's up, Jeremy? I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Because they remember me because I was the dog guy. It was very hard to even remember who you worked with at, at one point. Yeah, I definitely hear that. So one of Ed's favorite questions, Ed, you there? I'm here listening intently. <laughs> One of Ed's favorite question is, when you first got into pest control, how did your family react? 
I, I think you got a lot of support once you decided to go. If I'm if I'm wrong, tell me. My uncle is an amazing person, and he taught me a tremendous, tremendous amount about business and life itself, to treat people the right way, to run your business, to be honest, to be respectable, to have a great name. And, and I truly believe that I took a lot of those life lessons from him. And I think my name in the industry is very good in the sense that I don't screw people over. I say what I'm going to do. And I try to be the best guy I can be. Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect. But I try to be the best guy I could be. And I try to do things the right way. When I left to go on my own, yeah, I, I think he did support me. Like any sort of uh, breakup, nothing's perfect. But I think that he trusted me that I would never steal his business, which I never did. I never went after his guys, obviously. And, and he did support me. And I do my best to support him as I do with Joe and everyone else as a colleague in this industry. So I, feel, I did feel the support from him. And, and even to this day, we still talk business. We still talk shop. And, and we're competitors and at the same time not. What is the biggest thing you love about this industry or not love? The biggest thing in terms of? Like you got into it, like I like the independent. When I first got in, I liked the independence, cost the money. And uh, people that, you went out with a girl, you told me to exterminate it. You didn't go out with her again. You told her you were a control technician, you went out with her again. And after a while, you know, it, you got a store, you got a shop, you got guys working for you. You were dressing better, driving better. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first went to work for my uncle, I fancied myself a businessman, but knew nothing about business. I always had these aspirations that I could do this and I could do that, but I didn't know anything about running a business. And when I started to work for him, I started to learn. That was my education. That was my MBA. That was my MBA of like, how do I become successful? Because I grew up in an apartment with my mother and my sister, and we didn't come from very big money by any means. We were middle class at best. And what I started to see as I went to conferences that all the owners would pull up in Jaguars at that time and Mercedes and BMWs. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting here. Like these guys uh, have a bunch of money and that always motivated me. Money motivated me. When I saw other people having money, I wasn't even jealous. I was envious. I was envious. I was like, damn, I'm like, I'm driving a Toyota here. I want to be driving a uh, BMW. So it was a motivation for me. It was a money motivation. And now but at a point in my career, what I really love about the pest control industry is the friendships. I've made such good friends with my competitors like Joe and, and George and all these guys and Benny and all these guys who run businesses that it's just such a pleasure to be in this uh, arena. I'm going to touch on something you said about these guys showing up in cars and everything like that. I remember when I joined the uh, New York City Pest Control Association, after a while, you'd see these guys coming in great suits and everything. And these guys I was hanging out with, other exterminators at the time, small like me, they would tell me that these guys were their thieves and liars. They're a bunch of, yeah, he's a thief, he's a liar. So I took it as, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to learn how he got here. <laughs> I found out he wasn't a thief or a liar. The guy had some education. The guy had a plan. He didn't go to work day to day. And it taught me a lot. And I think one of the happiest days of my life, somebody 
came over to me and said, he says you're a thief and a liar. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm doing good. <laughs> I made a lot of good friends too. And it's quite a journey. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember even 10 or 15 years ago, Joe and myself and, and the people that we associate with were the young guys in the industry. We were up and comers and yeah. now we're like the middle aged guys in the industry. There's a lot that goes with that. I tell people I learned a lot from these old guys and I was like 25, 26 and those old guys were like 40, 42. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess I'm an old guy then, not a middle-aged guy. I was giving myself well, some credit. If you're, talk, if you're talking to a 20-something-year-old kid, you probably are. You, Listen, but, Joe and I see 20-something-year-old kids at these conferences. We see them and we're like, God, man, remember what it was to be 25 and be an owner? Wow, what I'd give to have that knowledge behind me uh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, you're not, if you knew them now, things would be different. But it's, I look back That's and life. it was tough days and great days. And it was just, like I said, it was a journey. It took your knocks and you took your... Uh, Good days along with it. Yeah, for sure. What, what I was going to say is we technically are the old guys. And Jeremy, I don't know about you, but I, I do actually know. Neither one of us is <laughs> on being 60, 70 years old and still considered a pest control company owner. We just don't. No, per, no. You never know, but that's not the goal. No, the goal is 10 years from now, max to be at yeah. another level, maybe chairman of your own board or whatever the case is. And I think that goes with being an entrepreneur to a certain extent. You have to continue to evolve and step away from certain things. Otherwise you'll fucking die, literally. That's not a figurative statement, it's fucking literal. I've seen some of these guys that die with a fucking B&G in their hand and that is definitely not the goal. So I'll cop to being old in the industry, fuck it. Then I'm older, I think. Fuck, I'm done. Hey. <laughs> so you heard me mention uh, two-step reviews. Two-step reviews is a review company. What, what did you see that was missing from the industry that made you want to go down this path? <sighs> I guess it was the changing of the times. So when I first got back into pest control, this was like at the early advent of high-speed internet access, right? The cable modem was like still coming out. High-speed internet access was available, but mostly for businesses even. And the idea of Google in 2009 is not what Google is in 2020, 2021. So still back then, people did spend $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 a year just on yellow page advertising. That's when, that's when this was, right? So like you'd get a book and a double book and like the young guys will have no idea what this is, but guys our age and older will really understand what that was. And, and that's how you got your phone calls. Now fast forward, what, 20 plus years later, you're not in the yellow pages anymore. Everyone's online and it's a constantly shifting um, landscape. And what we identified about five to eight years ago was that Google obviously is the big gorilla in the block. They own 95 plus percent search traffic. And we needed as a business to really focus our attention on that. And even what we started doing 10 years ago has shifted in the last 10 years. It's a constantly evolving landscape. And luckily for me, I came into this business not as a technician. I came in from an office and like a marketing guy. That's my experience. I wasn't a technician, so I didn't have a technician's mind frame. I had a 
businessman's mind frame. There was an opportunity to continue to push the envelope. And at one point, what was available to me just wasn't good enough. So I created my own. We all know part of being an entrepreneur takes a lot of balls. And to throw your hat in that ring is way more ballsy than throwing it into running a pest control business. For us, it was a natural progression because we had spent so much money. I had a six-person marketing team at one point. For a company my size, it's a lot of people. But we were pushing the envelope. I was planning six years out. I was like, what am I going to do six years from now to get ahead of the competition? And I've hit some home runs and I've wasted a lot of money. (laughs) A lot of money. And you know what? That comes to the territory. You, You win some, you lose some. We are in the process of revamping our websites. And I've got prices from 7,000. The highest price was 54,500. And not that there's no difference, but the difference between that number, it's very hard to see. The way to see that would be like 15 years ago, how did you get from your house to your office in the morning? What kind of car did you drive? You could drive a Toyota or you could drive a Tesla, right? They're, they're both going to get you to A and B. One's going to be a lot nicer. They're both going to have heat. They're both going to have radio. Is the Tesla really worth it at the end of the day? Yeah, maybe. There is something to be said about that. Is it really worth that much more? So it's all about return on investment, number one. What, what's your goals? If you know what your goal is, and they can deliver on that goal for 54000 then great. But in our industry, spending $54,000 on a website is not suggestible. Unless you're a national company and it's a branding thing. So this idea of, especially where you are in Brooklyn, catering to millennials. And millennials aren't young kids anymore. These are adults. And how do you sell to a millennial? I was just on a a call with an economist the other day. And we were talking about millennials and how they're the next big, big purchasers. But they buy differently. So forget opening a yellow page. Forget sitting down at a desktop. Forget them calling you. How are you going to interact with that group of 25 to 38-year-olds to get them to buy your services quickly Tell us about two-step reviews. So two-step reviews was built out of a necessity. I saw the, the, the landscape changing eight years ago when it came to searching on the internet. What we started to see was that Google started putting their mapping section at the time as a search tool. And within that mapping section, you had business pages and the transformation, the naming them has changed over the years. They're currently called Google business pages or Google my business pages or GMBs. Everyone basically can get one for free or they even have one and they don't know about it. So if I'm sitting here in Glen Cove and if someone types in pest control, they don't even have to say where they are. Google knows where they are. There'll be some advertisements, maybe some Google local search, which is what we were talking about with Lauren and search Kings a few minutes ago which are either a pay-per-lead or a pay-per-click product. And the first thing after that Google shows is the GMBs or the Google business pages of local businesses in those areas. So we identified that 
somewhere between five and eight years ago. And we had a phone number up there that we were tracking and no one was calling us on it. So then we were like, okay, how can we get reviews on that page? Because we would always ask people for reviews. And at that time, Yelp was really big. Yelp was really big. And you tried to get people to leave Yelp reviews. We would ask people and they wouldn't. They'd say, yeah, of course, we'll leave your review. But they never did. So what we did is we created a website called My Pest Review, which was strictly for us. We created a postcard. And whenever my guys went to a stop, they would qualify the experience. Say, how was everything? Did you have a good experience? Yes. Could you do me a favor? Leave a review. I'm going to give you a card. Just go to this website and uh, leave me a review. I mentioned my name, I get recognized by my boss. I'll get monetary compensation in essence. It wouldn't exactly say it like that, but the gist of it. And it was a big postcard. And when they went to that site, it was says, hey, we hope you had a five-star review. Can you leave us a review? If you didn't have a five-star review, go here. But if you did, click here on Google or Facebook. It took them right to the Google business page. And what we started to see was conversion. We went from no reviews to tens and fives and then, then hundreds of reviews on the local Google business page. And what we immediately saw that translated to was the phone ringing. We immediately saw the phone ringing after that happened. So it worked for about a year, then it worked for about two years. And I went to the conference, I think it was at Kalahari, and I saw a competitor now called Podium. And they told me what they were doing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. We're doing with postcards. They wanted a lot of money back then, a lot of money. I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. And then I went back the year later and they went from a little table to a bigger booth. And everyone who knows Podium knows they, and they don't got small booths anymore. Now they got like half the floor. At least they did a year ago. We'll see. I go back the next year and the same guy, really nice people. I'm like, you know what? Let me try this. I'm doing something like it, but let me try this because my guys in New York City aren't getting reviews. And I said, let me try with my guys in New York City. I paid something like 6K. It was expensive. And this was going back years. I said, all right, that's interesting. And we used them for a year. My guys in New York City started using texting. And I had, again, a, a big marketing team back then. I said, let's forget this. Let's, we're going to stop using Podium. Let's just build our own texting platform. And we made it and we stripped it down to exactly what we're doing with the postcard. We made it really simple and really easy to use. And we just took what we were doing with the postcards and made it a digital platform, which is how we transferred over to what's now known as two-step reviews. Because I said, worst case scenario is we're going to just build what we need. The best case scenario is we could figure out how to monetize it and make money and help other businesses with this. And that's where we are about two or three years later. We built this whole platform for ourselves. Now we have clients that use it. Yes, and we use it. It is very simple. What would you say the correlation between reviews and sales is? So it's difficult, right? What we say is this. What we know from the data that's out there is that 95% of the people will go online and read a review before they make a purchasing decision. You could say that same thing for Amazon, Yelp, TripAdvisor, you name it. You wanna go out to eat in a town, very few people are just gonna be like, yeah, that place looks good. They're gonna Google it before they go. They'll go on to Yelp, they're gonna look it up. And the same thing goes for our industry. So people are looking at reviews. Regardless of whether it's for a near me type search, which is someone that types in pest control in the geographic area where your store is located, or the reputation ownership aspect of it, meaning if you go out and network 
or Joe, if you're going to sell a hospital or a nursing home or something like that, and you're going to go meet six executives the next day, and you don't know who they are, and if they Google your name, what does it say about you? What is your reputation online? Is there a direct correlation to what your reputation online is to who you are as a company? And if there isn't, there's a huge gap there because whether or not if you're using it for a near me type search or reputation ownership type uh, reason, you want that reputation to be as strong as possible because you never know who's looking for you, number one. And number two, and I'm going to get back and answer your question, by the way. Number two is it's an asset. When you go to sell your business or someone wants to buy your business, that asset is much more valuable with 1,872 five-star reviews versus 3.2 stars with six reviews. You want to talk about like walking in with your chest out and be like, why is your company worth that uh, 2.4 times revenue? Yeah, it's worth it because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I get this. If you're not doing anything, you need to get reviews on your Google business page. If you're doing any sort of advertising or networking or anything else, you need to get reviews on your Google business page. I agree. You, you and Lorne convinced me because I always felt like, ah, you only need reviews for residential, right? Because no one's finding me on the internet commercially. Commercial Correct. managers and stuff like that don't really shop like that, but they do exactly what you just said. They go check out your website. They check out your Google My Business page. I would suggest this, Joe, is like anyone who's listening to this, just when they're done, take out their phone and Google their own name. Google your own name. And if you're on a phone, what you're actually going to find is the first thing that comes up, as long as you're not like on a Bing platform, if you're on like a Google search bar, is your Google business page. The first thing that's going to show up on a phone is your Google business page. So that means if someone else was Googling you, just your business name, just your business name, the first thing they're going to see is your Google business page, meaning that's who you are. Forget your website, forget your Yelp, forget your home advisor, your anything else. And then the question that you need to ask yourself as a business owner, is that a compelling enough reason to make a phone call or to use you? Because if it's not, you have an opportunity to improve it. You don't have to use two-step. You could do it on your own. You can use another competitor. You can do whatever you want. The real point is from just like a business to business conversation is that if that's not a compelling enough reason to utilize you, then you're missing a massive opportunity as a business owner. And you need to take that into consideration on what you got to do next. So we, we have spoken in the past about Google Guarantee and how yep. the algorithms on Google use your reviews, right? Yeah. On that particular advertising platform, I am told that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's just one way. And with that, when you turn on Google Guarantee, every single phone call that you get from those ads is recorded, like Jeremy said. And we live in a world of data. If we had the time to use all the data that we've collected, what we would be able to do with it. It's not just about getting the data. It's about utilizing it to tweak things like your marketing. If you're two-step reviews, if you're seeing all good reviews, then that's good. You could do certain things if you, you get more phone calls, but the data is not just data to sit there and have nothing done with it. Like Jeremy said, you want to look at it and change where you need to change. Yeah. Google local services or Google guaranteed. It's a great product. I love it. 
I'm trying to figure out the right way to word this. The largest company, the person crushing it the most, how many reviews do they have? What do you see them doing differently? How are they utilizing two-step reviews to better their business? I think that the biggest part about getting reviews is creating a culture in the organization, creating this review culture, meaning it's mandatory if you work in, in a business that you have to get reviews. That's how we continue to get the phones to ring. Everyone likes to get their paycheck on Friday or whatever day you get paid on. And everyone likes the security of health insurance and company contributed 401ks. This is part of running a business. We're not asking the employee to do anything outside of their job specifications. You're doing a great job anyway. That's why you work for the company. You're saying bye and thank you and you're being cordial. You're being the best you can be. All we're saying is just add it in as a piece. So we find the most successful people are building a review culture where they are talking about why it's important to get reviews for the business. They've gamified it for their employees. They've monetized it for their employees, meaning they've given them an incentive, whether that's through gift cards or money or whatever kind of gratification that you want to give your employees for participating because you are asking them to do something. So for me and and our pest control business, like it's it's a way for them to make money. You can make four to $5,000 a year. I would say if you just ask, if you ask 70% of the people you interacted with every day, you could probably make four to $5,000 a year in commission slash bonuses just on reviews. Cause that's how important they are to me. We are actually exploring adding reviews to KPIs. hundred percent. 2021 that'll be rolled out somehow. I don't know if you're doing net promoter score and all of that stuff. So we're doing net promoter score. We previously did one to 10 through a survey monkey type of thing where we sent it out after services and asking, asking about their experience. But now we're trying to pivot to a one to five in the KPI so that it goes hand in hand with reviews on Google and then saying, Hey, you guys need to get, X amount and you can double down one. It goes towards your KPIs for your bonus. And two, you're still going to get that monetary reward or whatever reward we are doing in the current month for the certain amount of reviews that you get. So it's two ways to earn more money, but it one way is almost like a mandatory piece because it's part of your KPIs and you get judged on that annually. Sure. Bonus HR is still struggling with the way I presented this to them. So I continue to represent it until they see the light. <laughs> um, I hear that. We already have it in place and they okayed the net promoter score one way. And really it's the same exact thing. If I'm sending you a survey monkey link or I'm having the technician get the link, there's really no difference. It's the same concept of getting a review one way or the other, just through a two-step review platform, you're double dipping from my standpoint as you don't have a manager sending out that review or anyone in the office, it's still the tech and that tech is getting potentially two forms of revenue, maxing out their bonus and getting a monetary piece just from getting that review. Yeah. So it's interesting when you start talking about net promoter scores and emailing and stuff like that, that's amazing. First of all, I love that direction that you're going in and 
and I think measuring and, and rewarding for on KPIs is amazing. And I think adding the extra and adding additional incentive for reviews is a it's a brilliant idea. The one thing I would say is on the net promoter scores, those are getting emailed to your customers, right? Yes. Yeah. So what we find when we email customers is our success rate on reviews drops about 95%. Correct. It's nuts. It's like the drop off is insane. So I would, because we run into people all the time. They're like, oh, we're using X. Well, they already do that. And, I, and I'm looking at their GMB. I'm like, oh, you need to fire them. Because if your goal is to get reviews, you're not getting them. If your goal is to get net promoter score, good for you. Utilize that company. I can't speak on what they're doing. But what I can tell you is they're not experts in review generation like I am. Because I'm looking at your GMB and you have 2.2 stars with five reviews and you've been using them for two years. So we're talking apples and oranges here. So I always like to differentiate. Net promoter score, awesome. Measure your KPIs, amazing. I would just be careful to not expect a lot of reviews to come in that way because it just doesn't work in my experience. And then there may be some outliers out there where it does work, the one percenters, but for 99% of the population, emailing net promoter scores and then trying to translate those into reviews don't work. So I, I think it's smart for you to be able to separate it. I oh. think you're going to get a lot of success for both. What I'm trying to do is just use two-step review and keep that one to five so that when the person gives a review, it falls in line with KPIs one through five. They don't necessarily need to answer all the questions. It's a five-star system. You got five stars. Perfect. You got four. Good. You got three. Eh, three is the borderline for us, right? We want it to be three. Yes. We want it to be 3.5 for the KPIs for the techs. Our goal is when you get a three, we want to, we want to reverse that. If I get a three-star review, we want that to become a four or a five. We're going to do everything in our power to identify how, what did, what happened and what went wrong. And could we communicate with that customer to get that up? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you're dealing with that one, that 0.01% of the customer base, which is just out of control. And all, they just want to hear themselves talk. And you can't convince them otherwise that you didn't do anything wrong or that you're going to make it better. They just wanted to vent and now it's over and you got a one or two or three star review out there. Yeah, no, it's a lot. And I learned a lot from Jeremy on this. He's not just uh, somebody that sells you a product and then says, good luck. He gave me some ideas on incentivizing and a whole bunch of different ideas that he gave to us for two-step reviews that we utilized. And I dare say, this is what we do. We talk to each other and we all get something out of it. I mean, that's how I was born and raised in this industry and how it continues, which is why Jeremy's here. For us, the buying from the company has been difficult. We are going into residential, so we know that's going to be a complete game changer for 2021. But I'm on in. The water's warm. <laughs> the water's friggin' hot. Everybody drew their hat to COVID. It's funny because we spoke to Paul Giannamore. That episode is out this week or part of it. And he asked a good question. He said, is it directly related to COVID or is it something that's been on the books? And I told you this all the time. Chris is the director of operations from Colony. Every October, we say, are we doing residential this year? And with the growth rates, Chris has been with me for 10 years. It's our worst year of growth was like 14%. And our best year was 50 something percent. So we would always look at that growth 
and be like, nah, we need to maintain this 40% growth right here because realistically, we weren't ready. If we were to turn residential on, it would have been closer to 100 and we were not set up for that. So COVID was like a perfect storm for us. We're down 8%, so there was no growth this year. I had the time personally to dedicate to residential and we decided not to let anybody go even though we didn't grow. And we decided to eat all of that and just focus on the residential for 2021. So it's a combination of both. COVID helped us do it, but we've been talking about it for seven years. I got a question. Yeah. How do you yes, treat a home, a house, during the COVID crisis? Carefully. How, no, there's how do you treat it? Right? Yeah, so we talk you basically are talking to people ahead of time, right? Is anyone yeah. sick? When the guy gets there, is anyone sick? We know not to send anyone out sick. Um, there's protocols in place that everyone follows, whether it's commercial or residential. And we just ask people to, to stay away. The guys are wearing their masks. And we just say, you got to give the guys space to work, to keep six feet apart or even further if you can. Let us go in, we'll do the inspection and we'll treat and then we leave. And you just keep your social distance as best you can. Jeremy and I both probably have about a 75-page safety plan that we were forced to figure out. I think we put ours together in May. Because if you don't have one, guess what? You can't be in business in New York. I don't know about you, Jeremy, but in my neighborhood, the Department of Buildings and Health have been by twice already checking our paperwork for COVID plans and whatnot. Not, not around here, but we have everything we're supposed to have. The people who handle HR, they have the materials and we have the thermometers. And what, if you're respectful of, of people, just like we were talking about at the beginning of this call, right? Someone sneezing and coughing, they can't go to work. That's it. Like you, even if it's allergies, you can't someone send a technician to someone's house who's all snotty right now. If someone tried to come <laughs> into my house coughing and sneezing, I'd be like, get off my porch, get, get away from me. What are you doing? Oh, it's just allergies. Yeah, okay. Go, <laughs> go away. I'd rather step in shit water than, than have you come in my house and fix the toilet. How about that? Yeah, and I, it's common sense. But people that are actually in business for the long haul and aren't schemers and aren't you know pieces of crap, are doing everything right for numerous reasons. One, to stop the spread. Two, we don't want anyone to die or be sick. Of course not. Yeah, it's been a crazy time. I'm hoping that with the vaccines that are coming out and the people who are going to be taking it first, obviously the frontline health workers and the doctors, that it works. How nice would it be to go into June six or seven months from now and this to be on the tail end. Wow, what a nicety to be able to go outside and go to a restaurant without a mask on, or just go to a restaurant for that matter, and not have to worry about getting an infectious disease that could potentially kill you. That's, uh, it sounds like a different world. It does. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I want to get on a plane and go somewhere again. It's like the good old days 10 months ago. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, 2019. What a dream that was, right? Yeah, that's so funny. Nothing like another liquid lunch in San Diego, huh? God, you and your expensive tequila. Yeah, me. Anyway. <laughs> How's Patrice? <laughs> um, so listen. I'll, uh, take, I'll take four. I'll take four. 
You got to remember, she was the one that told us no on that last shot that would have been about $400. But we were, but we were like seven shots in, so we were, someone said yes, but thank God Patrice said no. Yes, correct. How do you write that off? What are you talking about? <laughs> who, who does that? I don't know what, the, he is an old timer, huh? Jesus, I don't do that. She and come on, we follow all the proper tax codes and everything. Yeah, that was yeah. Someone just wrote that out. Lunches. It was a it was a business lunch actually, but yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. Didn't it. get written off. It didn't get written off. I'll tell you that. So listen, everybody. This is the beginning of Jeremy being on here at another time where we dive a little bit deeper into best practices and everything for reviews and learn more about two step reviews. I want to thank Jeremy Eka from Rest Easy and Two Step Reviews for coming on. First time, not certainly not the uh, Is there anything else yeah, you and if I wrap up, sir? I'll say this. Yeah, I'll say this. If anyone, just from a business perspective or a review perspective, if you want to reach out to Joe and get my information, you're more than welcome to. I'm not a pushy guy, especially pest control guys. I love talking shop. I'll be more than happy to talk for a half an hour, just talking about what you're doing, what I'm doing, what's working, what's not working. As Joe said, he uses two-step reviews. I, I, I actually have a lot of my friends and competitors in my area that use it. So I'm not afraid of, of sharing knowledge with anybody. I love talking about business. So if anyone wants to talk to me, you can reach out to Joe. He'll get you my information. I, I love talking about pest control and just how to get better and that sort of thing. I always get something out of it too. So my, my phone will be open. Cool. Mr. America? First of all, before I get into my spiel, Jeremy, it was good talking to you, and uh, say hello to your uncle for me. I will. It's always good to see you. I can't wait to have a drink. <laughs> Not $400 worth. That's your, that's your son. <laughs> yeah, he gets that from his mother. All right, Mr. America, and all the ships at sea, Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. Stay safe out there, and God bless you. Yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed and listen out for uh, the next time we get Jeremy on here. Jeremy, thank you again, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.